0: and welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur's Podcast. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B I Z Z A R O For anyone who's out there, you can find us on Instagram, at Justin the Food Entrepreneur's, and you can find us on Spotify or anywhere else you grow yourself through podcasts. Um, all the episodes are up there. They are being released daily, so uh, you can just check in there. With that being said, I have with us today Julian Gavin of Greenberg's Bagels from Brooklyn, New York. How are you doing today, Julian?
1: I'm good, brother. How you doing?
0: I'm doing very well. So you have quite the story and and I love it and I've heard bits and pieces from other people and we've talked a little bit before you got on, but I'm not going to take away the mic from you. Like let's just start from the beginning like your family upbringing like I I feel like it's very important. You seem like an entrepreneur. You know, sort of how did this start? were you always into food as a kid, I guess, uh, or some of those sub questions, but it's all yours, Julian.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um, so I have no entrepreneurial background in my family. Um, besides my, I guess my immigrant great grandfather came from Russia and he started a watermelon general store, but primarily just selling watermelons. Um, um, yeah, so no entrepreneurial background in my family. Everyone's like, oh, like, did your family have restaurants, all that stuff? The answer is no. Um, I was a DJ in my, you know, late teens and up until mid-20s. So I always worked for myself. And uh, when I wanted to transition out of that, after having a kid, um, I knew I didn't want a boss. Well, actually, I actually took one job. One corporate desk job, and um, that was a great failure. I ended up walking out at lunchtime one time, and that was that. Um, I'm not much of a
0: corporate environment guy myself either, so I'm right there with you, man.
1: Yeah, so basically I was like, all right, I know I don't want to DJ, and I know I don't want to really work for somebody. So um, I had a friend who had left DJing and started an Italian um, sandwich shop, Uh, which I ended up working in like six days a week for about half a year um, to just learn the game and how to, you know, how to operate with food and and how to run a business and all that stuff, managing his shop and then licensed his shop and opened it in Brooklyn. His shop was in Manhattan. Um, And then that failed. And then I tried because my background was in sandwiches so this was Italian sandwiches then I tried a Vietnamese sandwich spot because um, I had a friend who was just a really good Asian chef and I was like let's come together and and do um, a banh mi spot so we did the banh mi spot that failed um, and then the last one I tried was Greenberg's and uh, that started working it wasn't like thriving so but why was...
0: did you keep going just out of curiosity most people would have given up after the second time I think and <laughs> I'm not laughing because yeah. I don't give up but I just think that most people in the world I mean what keeps you going to keep trying in the restaurant business what's what's inspiring you I mean I guess you don't want to work in the corporate world but what else
1: yeah I mean I I was so like just personally invested time-wise that I didn't you know I kind of was just like one thing to the next like hopping from lily pad to lily pad and uh i didn't really look at anything as failures they were just steps towards greenbergs so i mean in retrospect they definitely weren't failures um the first project i invested my own money into the second i got an investor so like just from from regina's to to the Bon mi spot i learned okay i want to um i want to find investors for these projects i want to do i don't because i lost my investment on the first one. Um, But, you know, I learned things from each of those projects that didn't work out that got put into Greenberg's that helped Greenberg's work out. So basically it's like as an individual restaurant, yes, they, they shut down, but in the big picture of my whole career, they were just learning steps that I needed to go through to get to Greenberg's. You're not going to hit on your first try or sometimes you will and then you'll open a second one and the second one won't work everything you do in the restaurant game is not going to work um but it's important that if you want to to hit on some things that you know you try a bunch of stuff out because you're not going to bat a thousand you know and
0: i agree with you we did large kitchens initially and the first four were like home runs and then like Mm -hmm. the freaking next two were disasters i mean part of it was the places we picked but it was like oh my gosh and then the financial markets but i agree with you you learn how you go in those losses and those failures you never know when they're going to come and they do come exactly Um, it's just a matter of learning from them and like you said i like the lily pad to lily pad see i'm always like a guy i'm like i'm always feeling like a tarzan like i like once something starts, like I know one door is closing, I'm already on to looking for the next door. And if I find it, it's almost like one hand's on one vine, another hand's on the next vine getting exactly. ready to swing. And so exactly, I agree with you 100%. So,
1: and, yeah, you know, like what you're saying with like swinging, you know, one hand on one vine, another on another. It's like it's not like with Regina's. It was like, OK, this one shut down. Now let me start the bond Me spot. It's exactly what you're saying. While I had Regina's, when I start feeling a little vulnerability there, I'm starting to think about my next project. So there's a little overlap between both. It's like, okay, this one's not working. Okay, close. All right, on to Me. Bami. Okay, is starting to not feel so good. Okay, like six months before that closed, I opened Greenberg. So they all overlap. So there's never this, like, gap of no, no operation. Um, and then when the Greenbergs one, which was started in Williamsburg, In 90 square feet, um, which I did for a year. So that one had the longest, um, had the longest run, you know, towards the end of that year. Like I would say like month nine, I started to feel like, okay, like, you know, I was still working, you know, on the, on the grill, all that stuff. I couldn't get on top of the business. I knew I needed to find another spot. So I found a spot in Bed-Stuy that was, you know, a thousand square foot, a thousand square foot basement. I could really have the sufficient space I needed to, you know, get some legs on this thing. So that then opened. And then like a month after that opened the pandemic hit and then I had to close the Williamsburg one. So it really like, even the first Greenbergs didn't work out in the, in the long run. Um, but then the beauty of that is me you're, and the You're an incredible staff.
0: human. The, <laughs> how, how many scars do you have, dude? I feel, I know what you've been through. Like you're, I've like, We've been to the same place. It's not a pretty place. It's very it's not, not a pretty no, place.
1: It's a stressful place. Yeah. Um. Especially you know because I had a, a young kid during all this, so it's like I didn't have like you know I couldn't have five hundred dollars in my checking account like as a young twenty year old like and just like be okay with that. So. Um, but the beauty of so so yeah, then I opened the Bed Stuy Greenberg's literally like the March first. Pandemic hits like March 19th, March 20th. Um, and I'm like, wow, like this is just my luck. <laughs> <Yeah>. but, <laughs> like finally I got it perfect. And now a, 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 a world pandemic hits. Um, first time in a century. <laughs> yeah, um.
0: <laughs> yeah, right there.
1: <laughs> just for
0: all of us, for everyone in food all at the same time too. All
1: exactly. of our suppliers,
0: all of the, the whole thing, all of our customers. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Everyone, yeah, all of my customers. All of a sudden, they can't afford their rent. They're moving home. They're leaving Brooklyn. No one wants to be in the city anymore. Um, a million different problems. But one of the good things was um, because the Bed Style location was brand new. Like it was the first time these people were getting familiar with the brand. We still had done it for a year in Williamsburg. So we, we ran through all of our kinks and problems operationally there. So when we got to, to Bed-Stuy, even though we were like a new restaurant, we weren't new operationally. We've been doing this for a year. So we opened really strong just knowing what we're doing. No mistakes, no waiting, very clean. And because the Williamsburg one shut down, I was able to take that entire staff and just put them right into Bed-Stuy. And I mean, it was just like, just such a smooth kitchen on day one which usually which for me has never and happened. You
0: saved all those jobs like instead of having the staff hired weirdly by the grace of god or however you yeah. want to look at it mm-hmm. you didn't have the staff so you didn't need to lay off anyone they just transitioned and while it was bad you didn't have two locations there was weird ease in it and like i, I don't know like peacefulness purity for lack Completely. of a better term Exactly.
1: It, was just, it yeah. was just a different address, but it was the same business. It was the same people. And, uh, it you know, the customers could really feel that. Um, but, you know, then, you know, with the pandemic hitting and unemployment hitting, that caused its own um, issues with people wanting to work and still wanting to work when they could get paid the same, if not more, to not work. Um, so I didn't blame anyone for that, but it definitely caused you know, situations that I had to deal with. Um, But because all these restaurants were closing down and I was bagel store, which is a great, you know, to-go food, um, we made it. uh, So before the pandemic hit, customers would come inside and you'd stand inside and wait for your order. But then, you know, when the pandemic hit, obviously that wasn't kosher anymore. So we put in a slide window And then we moved, uh, there's a counter in the window where people would sit and eat in the window, but we moved the kitchen all the way up to the window. So now I had, I went from basically having a 500 square foot kitchen to a thousand square foot kitchen. So we got more fridges, you know, more low boys, another grill, two more fryers, a bigger mixer, more drink fridge, you know, another slicer, three more toasters. So all of a sudden, like now our kitchen could handle an insane amount of volume that before it couldn't so we like were we're set up to like really grow so we weren't we didn't need that much kitchen the first month but now year three in it's like we use every single inch and we could have never done it with a 500 square foot kitchen so it's like a walk-through restaurant so everyone stays outside no one comes in i don't see any reason to drive you know on a saturday morning a thousand people into the store and then a thousand people out when they don't have to. It makes no sense. Just so they could say jammed in five hundred square feet. Um, so all the orders go in the window, and there's like a, you know, a, there's front of house people two at a time in the window with two, with the POS and the headphone and calling out names. So it's just like a drive through, but it's a walkthrough. And then you know, with the pandemic, we got that whole outdoor street um thing so i got i have a 400 square foot out outdoor but indoor it's fully insulated and heated and lights and tv um so it's eight feet deep and 40 feet long because i have the pizzeria next door so i could go end to end so now everyone goes in there which is filled with picnic tables eats their food my whole square foot that i pay rent on is kitchen so i can handle like insane volume and I'm never going to switch that location back. It's
0: always going to be like that. I think it's so cool because it's an ad. You adapted and it made your business successful. And now you can scale serious volume. And so it's let's an talk idea. about why bagels, why you went from sandwiches, uh, Regina's I believe was the name. Yeah. And then the Vietnamese style sandwiches. And then ultimately the bagels. I mean, it's all bread and ultimately it's, so, it's still a sandwich, but mm-hmm. what's, did, I mean, did you always like those type of food? Did they always stick with you? Like, why ultimately switch from sandwiches to bagels? I, I guess I don't see that part, but, mm-hmm. and it is, it has been successful, <laughs> even though New York's not the greatest place you would be like, don't get in pizza and bagels, but everyone does, and you've done both. And so yeah. we are not, we're going to talk about pizza on the next episode, but I want to talk about Greenberg's as a whole and and how you come up with the names because each one has had a different name Mm -hmm. and sort of how do you come up with the menu um where do you start like what are your most popular items like what is the what does it look like um on weekends i mean because i gotta imagine you're like just flinging orders on a saturday and sunday morning like a madhouse
1: yeah i mean i can just uh, yeah just off the back could tell you our our saturday a saturday order you know, um, amount of bagels that we're doing on Saturday is 175 dozen. So, it's a madhouse. Um, the names, um, I'm i am half Russian-Ukrainian Jew and half Irish. Uh, my wife is Italian. So, um, my cousin uh, was one of the first Jewish professional baseball players named Hank Greenberg for the Detroit Tigers. Um, so, when I was but to your earlier question, how do you switch from Italian sandwiches to bagels? So I grew up in Brooklyn. Bagels, very simply, has always been my favorite food, hands down. If I'm on vacation, the last couple of days of vacation, I'm thinking, what I'm, what's the first bagel I'm getting when I get home? And when I get home, the first thing I'm doing is I'm going to the bagel store. Um, now, I try not to do that just for my health. But um, as a kid, I mean, it was like bagel every meal like no question about it still have never gotten sick of bagels sometimes i get sick of pizza but i've never had a day where i got sick of a bagel which is crazy i wish i could get sick of them um but i can't so i started with it I,
0: I don't get sick, sick of bagels either bagels. just as a <laughs> footnote, not that's why I, that you can make <laughs> sandwiches at them you can eat them you have a peanut butter on them they're just like the and you can get all different flavors and all different kinds of cream cheeses. Or I like sweet,
1: savory, yeah, meat, and, not me. And I switch <laughs> it up.
0: Yeah, I yeah. just it's a beautiful thing. Anyway, go on.
1: There are so many different combinations. It's like you can go cinnamon raisin with butter, or everything with cream cheese, or sesame with bacon, egg and cheese, or egg bagel, sausage, egg and cheese, or put pastrami on it, or chicken salad, or or cinnamon with cream cheese, or everything with butter and jelly, like. Or cream cheese and jelly, like it's really endless. Um, so you can never there's they're just all they're all so different, even though they're the same. They're all a bagel, um, but yeah. So so Greenbergs came from my cousin um, Hank Greenberg, who was also raised in New York. Once he immigrated to America, and went to NYU and served in the army two terms during his major league career. So he went for four years. I believe it was World War Two. Went for four years, came back, played more, and then went again. Um, but he hit fifty nine home runs in a season. And then they intentionally walked him for the last two weeks of the season so that he couldn't beat Babe Ruth. But he was, you know he was gonna shatter the record, but they didn't want to do having the record. Uh, so I wanted to basically yeah. give some shine I, I, to his name because yeah. it got buried in, in, in
0: Yeah, I like that a lot and I know exactly what you're talking about actually. But go on.
1: So, all right, so that, that's Greenberg's Bagels, name. Yeah. the pizzeria. And
0: I would say it is living on really well right now. We're talking about it on the podcast, and I didn't know what the name was, but now that you've tied it all together and I looked it up um, as we were talking, I'm like, that's a powerful story. That's a powerful message and a powerful purpose um, all tied into one, and then your love for bagels. So it's like all these skills, your background, um, your family story, like it all got tied together into truly who you are in greenberg's bagels you know that's kind of cool
1: yeah yeah and thank you and yeah basically the original concept of greenberg's was you know baseball and bagels so the whole branding i did everything branded like baseball uh we've kind of moved away from that as we've grown but that that in terms of just like the menu had like had a baseball player on it and like the cream cheese we would design to look like baseballs and like all this stuff that was so fun to do but like as as the volume got crazier and more like it got a little too hard to be that cute
0: so talk to me about like how you design all the cream cheese we talked about like the baseball theory and i like this our theme sorry and yeah and i get it you get some at some point you like start growing you're like what what do I need to dime down and what do I need to get rid of to actually scale this business?
1: Yeah, exactly. And so
0: talk to me about all the different cream cheeses. How did, how do you decide like all the different bagels, like all the different meat options, you know, what are your most popular menu items? Um, for example, and, um, I assume the hours are limited or does a bagel store run 24 seven, even in New York? I don't know the answer to that actually.
1: Okay. Yeah, no, well, we actually close at 3 PM every day um so it's it's uh 8 a.m to 3 p.m before the pandemic we were seven to four so i shaved off an hour on both sides to make it work and it just kind of stuck and like grandfathered in and now it's, uh, everyone knows those hours so even if i stayed open till four it's hilarious like our orders will stop at two fifty nine. um so people are just trained into those hours in this shop in my next shop the hours will be different but here it's just locked in um in terms of like flavor cream cheese and combinations with flavor bagels, I just kind of pull from different meals I like that aren't bagels and, and try and recreate the flavors with a bagel. So like uh, we just did we just did um, a steak egg and cheese. Um, so I did a steak egg and cheese with peppercorn sauce on it on a garlic bagel. So that just came from, you know, one of my favorite restaurants is Lucien. I get there. It's a French restaurant. I get a steak frites with peppercorn sauce. So I'm like, how do I recreate this as a breakfast sandwich? Um, another one we've, you know, I mean, we have all the crazy cream cheeses and that's like the fun part is creating these weird cream cheeses, like peaches and cream cheese or like a key lime pie cream cheese or like a junior's cheesecake cream cheese. And, Um, all these fun gimmicky ones but the sweet ones are more popular just on instagram posts than actual orders still like the ones people order like plain veggie scallion blueberry um we have a nice a truffle cream cheese so it's just plain but with truffle oil in it so it's it's a very subtle difference but it's Enough that it really makes a difference and isn't a gimmick. It's just delicious. Um, and then, like a beet horseradish, which is pink. And then I put that on a pumpernickel bagel with gravlax. So you get you get the green herb on the side of the locks with the pink cream cheese on the black bagel. It's like mixing all the colors is the way I do it. So there's the visual side. There's the flavor side. Um, yeah, that's the cream cheeses. Uh, we do you, like you that. spend
0: a lot of time doing this. I can tell on Instagram and it. And I've obviously I talked to Jesse a little bit because he know he recommended you for the podcast. Uh, Jesse Spellman of Utopia Bagels. Mm-hmm. And I just like how creative you are. You're very focused on the experience, not just on delivering a quality product. And so it's different. Um, mm-hmm. than I would say a lot of the other New York bagel places. Like, they just sling bagels, and there's nothing wrong with it. But even though you you sort of turn down the dial of the showmanship by not making everything look like baseballs anymore, a baseball theme, as much, mm-hmm. I would say there's still the showmanship there and the, the way you display the food and the way you present the food, and you put everything together. And it's not only in visual or... Um, it's also in the flavor and the texture and the way things come together. So like, do you spend a lot of time doing this? How much time, or is it just something you've always done because you've always liked bagels? You've liked mixing them up or going to different places and trying them when this stuff has just followed you around?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, it's like, it's like, it's creating a brand and a community more than just a piece of food, like you're saying. Like a lot of the bagel stores that have just existed forever, are just bagel stores and there's not much brand to them. So what I wanted to do was a bagel store that wasn't bougie, you know, was, was still just you know, like the same delicious bagel store, but elevate some, some of the key ingredients like the bacon and the eggs and those two in particular. Um, and then add this like brand to it. Um, uh, because for me, it's like, because I came from DJing and, 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 yeah. and Nightlight before like my whole job was like you know packing a room and creating an energy and, and basically you know making a night and and branding it and creating a theme so i've just taken that exact same approach except now it's just through a bagel and through a bagel store and a bagel store and brand so
0: yep and, it's always showtime all the time and i think that having that time. yep
1: and I didn't. I never came from food. Like, like I don't come from a food entrepreneurial family. So I'm not taking the food entrepreneurial approach to the bagel store. I'm taking a different approach to the bagel store, and and I hope that that comes through. I think it does. And um, I do that with the Instagram too. I don't want every single post to be about just the food. I want to show some. You know, the people are coming, the dogs, like merchandise, the process, um, the art of the storefront, you know, not just the sandwich or like the cheese pull. All that stuff is great and I love to mix it in, but I just don't want to rely too much. I like to like weave them all together and keep it interesting.
0: I think you're doing a good job, and I think the food and your product and the branding and the thought that you've put into it and the years of experience that you've had, you you said failures, but they aren't failures, and you said you don't recognize them as failures, and I agree with that mindset, and it's got to you to where you are. And when you said even the eggs and the bacon, you've elevated them, what did you mean?
1: Well, so I have, you know, pre-range pre-range eggs from Paisano's and I get my bacon from Paisano's. So it's like these eggs, I mean, you can taste the difference and you can see in the color, the orangeness versus like a pale yellow. The bacon is super thick. I mean, not like, not too thick, but it's like a perfect thick, like not a rubbery piece of bacon. And the way we cook it, you know, we bake it first in the oven and then it just like sits in this big, beautiful mountain on one of the grills all day long. And then nine pans get filled with the, the, the cooked bacon too. And they sit on top of the toaster. So the toaster's hot all day and they're just sitting there warm. So the bacon is just like the perfect crispy, but not, not like a cracker, but it's just like the perfect consistency of the bacon. And then you mix that with the nice, you know, orange egg and some real deli cut American cheese. And then you put that on a good bagel. It's just a complete, and we really load the bacon on um we definitely we definitely would uh do a little better on our margin if we didn't load the bacon on but at the same time i think that's created you know you know return customers and people just being completely loyal
0: to like and it's unexpected everyone shaves their margins all the time like sandwiches always get smaller it's so disappointing i love sandwiches and bagels and i companies have more success. Like you're always worried because the more success they have means the smaller there, the meat goes on their sandwich. And I do like sandwiches. Yeah,
1: <laughs> And I will admit like there was one week about like a year and a half ago where we switched up the bacon for like, um, it was a cheaper bacon. It was, it, it wasn't that it was actually cheaper. It was the same price, but it was pre-cooked so we could skip out on the baking side and just put it straight to the grill. Um, because usually if you just put it straight to the grill, it gets too curly and goes up in a ball. So it like cut out um, a big part of the operation. So we could take the baker, who is literally, we have one guy just cooking bacon all day long. We could take him off and put him on the line. So it got us one less worker uh, a day, which over a year is great. But I started getting texts from my friends like, yo, what happened to the bacon? What happened to the bacon? And, like, people really noticed right away. I was shocked. And so we switched right back. And that was that. And we'll never switch again.
0: (laughs) I've run into that so much in my life. And, like, even in the hospital business, like, even the hospitals wouldn't listen. Like, everyone's mad. The cafeteria workers are mad. The patients are mad. We need to switch this product back. Whatever it was, it was free-range eggs at one time. And then once we switched off of them temporarily during COVID, it was, like, everyone knew believe me, everyone knows the difference. Once you get used to high quality eggs, I agree with you. You know the difference. Same with the bacon, same with your meat, same with the, the way you make your food. It's hard to get off it. Even as a human, I eat that way um, mostly and it's hard to get off of it. Even if I like slightly go off of it every once in a while, I quick go back on just because I feel the difference. So oh, really? I, I, I like this philosophy. So One of the things we had talked about, and maybe I misunderstood, but are you now opening another location for Greenberg's Bagels?
1: Yeah, we're actually in construction right now, and that one's in Manhattan. So that's in the West Village. Um, So that's, you know, 4X the rent. So it's a little different. So we got to find places to get the money from out of the operation. So when you look at, like, the P&L, you look at everything, you're like, oh, maybe if I order, you know— a little bit less salmon seven days a week or maybe, you know, you just look at everything and just find money from different spots so that the rent actually ends up being the same thing. Um, and you know, in your head at least.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I, I'm very familiar with what you're doing. You actually scale everything to the size of your business based on the rent and what you have to cover and make sure you cover that nut and you just have to take it from places at the beginning for uh, it, sure because absolutely. if you think the money's going to appear it's not it doesn't appear no. at first ever and mm-hmm. so let's talk about size of the new location why west village um how do you train a staff there like what's your thought in like how you're going to make this leap is it the same menu um stuff like that
1: yeah, so basically, um, West Village, because it's the same landlords, so when they bought this building, um, and they're my landlords for the bagels and pizza in Brooklyn, when they bought the building, you know, we went through COVID, we never hiccuped on the rent ever, uh, we were the first person, they were like, come take this space, please, so we took it because they they wanted us to, so I wasn't like out looking for a space, but the space found us, Um the space is I think like 12, 1300 square feet with a matching basement. Um, and when like in Brooklyn, like with a thousand up and a thousand, in the basement, like we use every square foot and on the, our floor and the basement with dry goods, walk-in fridge, everything. Um, so all those, every one of those square feet is important to me. Um, uh, with there, yeah, we'll start with the same menu. Um, There's gonna be more there though, because I because the rent is more, I'm not gonna be closing at three. I'm very comfortable in bedside and luckily that I get to close at this time and have a sane life, but there we're gonna add, you know, like hot dogs and French fries and waffle fries and curly fries and all this stuff that can sell a little later today. Um, because just with our name, Greenberg's Bagels, it's not what you would think of for dinner, you know, or even late lunch. Well, it's and
0: is the West Village, NYU still fairly close there, right? And so is do you do delivery business for the bagels? I never asked, but is that something you do? Is that something that you feel yeah, is going to be on, done? Because I feel like 24-hour bagels in Manhattan or in one of the boroughs is, like, needed at some point. Does anyone actually do that?
1: Yeah, uh, I mean... You can definitely get a bacon, egg, and cheese uh, twenty-four hours. Usually, it's from a diner and it's on a mediocre bagel or roll, but it's definitely available. Um, and then, um, no, actually, I know I know of a great bagel so it stays open twenty-four hours. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I'm on every delivery platform so, DoorDash, Caviar, Grubhub, Seamless. Uh, Uber Eats, and then our own website for delivery. So I think that's six forms of delivery and then walk-up orders as well. Um, So in the city, the thing about the delivery in Brooklyn is I get a five-mile radius in every direction, which is amazing, it's a lot of land, but they don't cross the bridge. So I didn't want to open another location in Brooklyn because it would kind of be taking out of the sales from the Bed-Stuy location So, it'd be the same amount of sales just now divvied up between two rents rather than just doing it all out of one. Because now that I have that thousand square foot kitchen, I can handle that. So, if I go to this, when I go to the city, that's opening up a completely new delivery market that I can't hit. And because it's in the West Village, it's perfectly located to do both to go uptown and then all the way downtown to South Street Seaport. So I can basically sell to almost anywhere in Manhattan now and almost anywhere in Brooklyn just out of having two stores.
0: Well, and I like this because it's a really good model in the new delivery system model, and it's very well thought out. You just didn't open a store. You thought about, like, what's my delivery radius? Who are my customers going to be? How far can I get my bagels from this location? And how can I conquer it? It's more military and i said a lot of food entrepreneurs try to go neighborhood to neighborhood and get stores really close and benefit from each other so they're close so they can run back and forth to them mm-hmm. but that's not the right answer anymore because you're right these delivery services give you different abilities now they give you different spins and they're part of your arsenal and you still want to own your customers and figure out how to own them and own that experience even if it goes through someone else and i think you're doing that with the experience of your bagels but I think it's just so cool and it's actually so on par and it's so perfect for this podcast in that it an entrepreneur should be playing chess, not checkers. Okay. Completely.
1: You don't have to have – so now like with, with the shop in the West Village, right, a guy on the Upper West Side can have a bagel for breakfast. A woman in Soho can have a bagel for breakfast. All from me. I can be – a person on the Upper West Side's local bagel store without having a bagel store on the Upper West Side. You know, a lot, I live in Park Slope. My bagel store is in Bed-Stuy. A lot of my friends live in Park Slope. There's hundreds of, not hundreds, but there's at least 20 bagel stores in Park Slope. All my friends get their breakfast from my bagel store in Bed-Stuy. You know, they don't go to the bagel store that's on their corner. They order it straight to their house from Bed-Stuy. I don't have a shop in Park Soap, but I'm serving breakfast in Park Soap. So, yeah, like you're saying, it's just you got to strategically place them. Best <laughs> Someone needs to put you on
0: a DoorDash commercial with what you just said, <laughs> because that's exactly the truth
1: yeah. in today's I mean, world. And if you open like a pizzeria or something in a neighborhood where you're like, oh, my God, there's no pizzerias here. I need to open a pizzeria here. It doesn't really matter that there's no pizzerias there. Because anyone in any apartment can open their delivery apps and order from 10 different great pizzerias from a different neighborhood. (laughs) Like You're not just competing against what you see physically in spaces in front of you. You're competing against all these other neighborhoods now. So you got to take that approach when you're looking for real estate.
0: I love this. Um, Julian, thank you very much. I'm going to um, we're going to do a part two where we're going to talk about the pizza place and how you form Dough Corner and the 40 by 10 outdoor space we're looking at and your your uh, iced tea company, I believe, that we talked about earlier. And so we're going to get all into that stuff. Um, everyone stay tuned. We're going to just jump right into a part two. Uh, if you want to find us or listen to us uh, out there, you can find us on Spotify or anywhere else. You grow yourself through podcast and on Instagram. Thank you, everyone, and we're out.